coming to you from fabulous Las Vegas. The right side is the winning side. The late move is the correct move. Sports betting capital of the world. We all know when a sharp like me weighs in, the lines move. It's a party for your ears. <laughs> This is The Buffet with Chad and Scooch. I want to buy that guy a buffet. We are back, Chad and Scooch, together again. This is The Buffet with Chad and Scooch. From the Action Network, I am Chad Millman. On the phone with me from Las Vegas, representing the Orleans and all the Boyd Gaming Sportsbooks in the state of Nevada. Bookmaker extraordinaire, Bob Scucci. Chad, what's going on? My man, like the last time we spoke was uh, sports betting had just been declared, you know, Not legal, but it, the uh, Supreme Court had declared the federal ban on sports betting unconstitutional, opening the floodgates for any state that wants sports betting to, you know, potentially get into the business. We're, you know, a little more than two weeks out or 10 days out from that decision. No, two weeks. Give me your thoughts. What do you think? What's happening? Wait, wait, yeah, wait, yeah. <laughs> wait. Okay. All right. All right. Wait. Before you talk, I do have to uh, I do say that later on in the show, like, look, we're recording this on a Wednesday. The NBA Finals start tomorrow, tomorrow. Historic betting numbers in that matchup. The NHL Finals are uh, have started, and Vegas won game one. Later on in the show, Blackjack Fletcher, host of Live from the Strip, brand new podcast from the Action Network. Huge debut yesterday. Huge, huge Rocking up the iTunes rankings chart yesterday, um, live from the strip. He's he's been in Vegas. He's a huge Golden Knights fan. He's all over the NBA Finals as well. He's going to come on. He's going to be joined by me and with Matt Moore for uh, who does the Spread the Floor podcast and is also our NBA analyst. Spread the Floor is such a remarkably good basketball podcast. Um, and so they're both going to come on and talk NBA Finals and uh, Blackjack will talk. Talk about Stanley Cup, um, Scooch. But listen, let's talk about this. Tell me about <laughs> your life the past two weeks. It's been a whirlwind. I mean, uh, it's not it's not unexpected that uh, uh, the Supreme Court decision went the way it did. It kind of it was kind of in the wind uh, on which way it was it was going to be going, but. I think everybody's kind of scrambling. I, you know, I talk to a lot of my counterparts across the city, and uh, there's a, a lot of companies for, over from uh, Europe that are trying to jockey for position here in the United States. Um, I think uh, uh, companies like like ours, like Boyd Gaming, you know, we have uh, properties in a lot of states, a lot of jurisdictions. So I, I think we're very well positioned uh, to take advantage of whatever comes down the road. And uh, it, it's just, uh, like I said, it's kind of been a whirlwind. You have a quiet confidence about you, Scooch. <laughs> That's just called being busy, I think. <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, I say like, um, you know, when I do the introduction, and by the way, if you have questions for the podcast, You should go to our iTunes page, the Buffet Podcast iTunes page. Put your questions in there. You should subscribe. You should rate. You should review. You should do all those things. 
people, that's the only way we move up the iTunes rankings charts is if you use the iTunes page and make comments, send questions, all those fun things. Otherwise, like, you know, that's uh, uh, the only thing I can tell you is to subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe again, you know, which is like the the um, the best way to do it. Just, you know, I can keep the same listeners and just keep unsubscribing and resubscribing. Um, you have a quiet confidence because whenever I do the introduction, I'll say, you know, representing the, the uh, Orleans and all the Boyd Gaming books in the state of Nevada. I don't know how much longer that can be true. Like you got properties <laughs> everywhere. We we really do. Uh, so, you know, right now we're kind of looking at all the, uh, the, the the regulations that are being drafted. So the you know, the first thing we're we're looking at uh, um, the Mississippi regulations are pretty far along. Uh, we have several properties, two properties in Mississippi, uh, and and some of the states are a little bit. You've covered this before. Some of the states are, are a little bit further down the road than others. Uh, they've already drafted legislation in anticipation of a favorable ruling. So some of them have the, uh, the the laws in place, and now the gaming uh, commissions or the, uh, whatever regulatory bodies are overseeing the, the gaming part of the state, they're now drafting regulations to fit the laws. So, um, you know, we're, we're paying attention to every state and uh, seeing if we can get involved in uh, providing some feedback. Uh, you know, I've already already done so with uh, on several different uh, platforms. So, uh we're, we're very active. You know, we want to see, we want to take advantage of this in every way we can, and we want to see it flourish. So you want to see it flourish. You want to take advantage. You're excited about this. Um, the two weeks of perspective since it happened, is it bigger than you thought it would be? Like, this has been something where obviously, you know, you and I've talked about this for a while, but it all seemed uh, inconceivable. Uh, to quote the Princess Bride. So now it's happening. And is it faster than you expected in terms of the pace, in terms of how you need to react? Do you think people were unprepared? Like, how did you feel about it? Like, did you get your pants yeah. cut down at your ankles? Like, tell me about that. <laughs> no, I, you know, it, I think all of the above uh, in some respects. I, I don't think we were caught off guard. I mean, everybody was ready for this and doing as much as we could possibly do to prepare for it. But there's only so much you can do with that at that point. So just picture like all these horses jamming into a starting gate and then just getting real kind of antsy in the starting gate, but you can't go anywhere until the gates open. And that's kind of what we were doing. We're being prepared in every way we can, getting our you know ducks in a row and uh, looking at the legislation and looking at how we can kind of position ourselves. And, and I think everybody was kind of in the same boat. And like I said, even the European com- companies that came over, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to jockey for position as well and you know, merge with other companies and see how they, they can get their foot, foothold in this uh, industry. But until that ruling came, there's only so much you can do. So instantly, as soon as the ruling came down, everybody's like, go, you know, at the speed of light. And let's see how quick we can get this thing going. And, uh, you know, everybody that's in the state of New Jersey uh, obviously are, are scrambling more so than probably the other companies. And uh, they're, they're trying to get that going as quickly as possible. Uh, but uh, the same goes for, uh, for for Pennsylvania. They're pretty far along in the uh, uh, the regulations there, uh, at least in the laws. And uh, I mean, I've gotten calls, you would not believe how many <laughs> calls and emails that I've gotten from all over the country 
saying, hey, it's legal now. How come I can't bet with your app in Pennsylvania? Or <laughs> so I think there's a little misconception about, you know, the, the Supreme Court didn't make it legal. I think you just hit hit that on the head. All they did is lift the ban that made it, you know, that, that prevented other states from pursuing it. So, uh, but, but it has. This last two weeks, you know, we've been meeting with... Uh, you know, attorneys and, and like I said, regulators and the financial folks. And, uh, you know, we're just trying to see what we can do and how quick we can do it. Do you think There's... you can become the biggest bookmaker in America? <laughs> no, 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 I'm not even thinking of thinking of that What stuff. is your ambition, Scooch? Is the ambition for you to be like Scooch goes national? That would be amazing. No, how I, no, crazy wanna... would it be? It if would you be, went national, it would be crazy. It would be it would be fun, you know. I, I, hey, you know, like I'm a company guy. I just want to do what's right for the company. But uh, it it would be crazy to 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 be all to, you know, be in all these jurisdictions. Maybe even in the world. You know, why stop at the country? We got there's oh. places all over the world now. Oh my god! Oh my god! I cannot believe. By the way, let's like I would love it if Grinnell like could wind this back because when I said scooch goes national, you're like, no, no, I'm not even thinking of that within 10 seconds. You're a, why not the world? I, I did. That's exactly how my mind went too. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I don't want I don't want to go national. I'm listen, you're, you're, you're like thinking I'm perfectly happy to be in Nevada. And within 10 seconds, you want to, you want world domination. I remember <laughs> Many, 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 many years ago, I started my career as a fact checker at Sports Illustrated, and I was fact checking. You'll you'll appreciate this. Grinnell, this guy was like playing before Grinnell was alive, but maybe he'll remember him because he's a patriot, um, meaning the player, not Grinnell. Although Grinnell may be a patriot, uh, <laughs> uh, there was a player named Irving Fryer who was a wide receiver. He was the number one overall pick by the Patriots in like the early '80s, and he played in Nebraska. And then he went on to play in the NFL, and he was a very mercurial, mercurial player, like very temperamental, great receiver, but had a lot of issues. And there was once a domestic violence issue where um, I think he had been stabbed by his wife. It might have been before the Patriots played the Bears in the Super Bowl. And this was in the story that Rick Riley, uh, who was at the time a writer at Sports Illustrated, wrote about Irving Fryer. And this was going to be a cover story. And so my job as a fact checker is to call Irving Fryer and go over every single detail in the story from like a quote that he said to, are you now a like preacher at a church in Miami to, you know, did your wife stab you the night before the Super Bowl? And is that why you can play or whatever it was, or you play with the bandage? And he got so mad when I asked him this question, yelled at me for like 10 minutes. He's like, I don't even want this story to be in the magazine anymore. Pull this story from the magazine. It shouldn't be in the magazine. I don't agree to this, blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, by that point, like I had been a fact checker for about a year and sort of I had been yelled at by a lot of people. So I knew the ropes and I'm like, listen, I know you're upset about it, but there's nothing we can do. Like you've already agreed to the story and the story's done and like it's all on the record. And so the story's going to run. If you don't want to confirm this, that's fine. I can make a note and our editors can decide how they want to treat it, knowing that you've said it once, but didn't want to confirm it the second time and blah, blah, blah. We get through that. And uh, 10 minutes later, it's time to get off the phone. And he he's like, so this is going to be the cover, right? <laughs> 
you basically just pulled you basically just pulled an Irving Fryer. You went yeah, from like, no, I don't want to do anything other than what I'm doing to I want to cover the world with my bookmaking brilliance. <laughs> I, I pretty much did that, didn't I? And I, I think my my first instinct is just, just to downplay it. And that but then I'm I'm just again, I'm thinking it from a company perspective and I'm saying, okay, we're why not just keep going i mean if we're already if we're already in most of the states in in the united states i mean there's other jurisdictions as well and you know you never know uh you never know what can happen but uh on the other side of the coin man there's a lot of work involved <laughs> well there's a lot of work but there's also a lot of competition like you're not you know boyd gaming isn't the only place out there that is trying to get not even the first mover advantage in this space right, right now right so yeah, there's there's so many other companies that, like I said, big big companies with a lot of firepower that, uh, you know, that have been doing this for a long time that are trying to get their their foot in the door, and you know the dis the disadvantage to Nevada and we've talked about this over the years is that a lot of great technology and a lot of great programmers and and a lot of great tools were being used all over the world and. They couldn't necessarily be used in Nevada because Nevada had very strict regulations where uh, new companies had to be licensed, whether they were manufacturers or gaming operator licensed or associated equipment licensed. And it wasn't worth it for a lot of big companies to get licensed in Nevada just for the Nevada market. You know, they always were sitting back saying, okay, well, if, if we're allowed to come, come into the, the whole United States, uh, then it'd be worth it to get licensed, but it, it it just wasn't worth it for a lot of these companies to get licensed just for one small piece of business. So what had happened is it allowed a lot of these European companies to just really kind of move much quicker than some of the, the technology, some of the things in, in Las Vegas. And so now, like I said, in terms of sports betting, you know, all the, uh, the, the tools, the metrics, the technology that's being used a lot of the best stuff is is overseas you know i found really interesting the past uh the past couple of weeks in so much more mainstream coverage of betting i've noticed uh you know bleacher report has sent me a bunch of alerts that are betting related with the Cavs opening as historic um underdogs in the finals or uh yesterday there was a story in the Washington Post by a guy named Matt Bonesteel who um, wrote about sort of the odds of the Cavs winning the finals being historically long. And, you know, he had the Westgate in there. He had sports odds history in there. He had ESPN in there. He had us in there sort of citing all these different places that had different facets of this story um, that changed quickly. Like it, you never would have seen that three weeks ago. No, no. And that's, you know what, you, you, you played a big part in this. I mean, you've been on top of the sports betting scene for, for a long time, trying to get it into uh, a lot of the, the mainstream uh, sports media and uh, it, people like you just really kind of push this. And uh, so you should, that's a big feather in your cap too. If there were a sports betting hall of fame, Scooch, do you feel like I'd be a member of the original class <laughs> the original class <laughs> the original class to be inducted would it be like me lefty rosenthal <laughs> like who else who else would be in it other than me and lefty 
Uh, well, there's a guy named Bob Martin. Uh, Bob was, Martin, he definitely yeah, did. Minneapolis be. Bob Martin, he'd be in there. Yeah, yeah. I don't sure. know if you. I don't know if you'd be in the original class. You know, uh, uh, you'd be pretty close, though. <laughs> Interesting. Why wouldn't I? Listen, if you can be the bookmaker to the world, yeah. Why can't I be in the original? Like betting. You're too hall, young. Betting. You're too. You're too young. They, you know, any any kind of new Hall of Fame like that, they always go for like the legacy of you know, the the pullback guys that you know from 50 60 years ago you they 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 probably put you in the next round that that second wave uh you know what i think that um i think you might be right maybe i'll be in year two but i'd certainly get uh a unanimous vote the other guy who should be in there is charles mcneil who invented the point spread ah there you go see see, that's what i'm saying now we're starting to here's what we should do chad you and I should make the sports betting hall of fame. We should, we should put this on the docket and this should be our next project. We will initiate the sports betting hall of fame. Does that mean we can't be in it? <laughs> I guess it's a little self-serving, isn't it? We're the first inductees. <laughs> I will start the sports betting hall of fame with you. If you guarantee I can be in it, you know what we should do Grinnell. This is what we should do. And we'll, we'll put this on social too. Put your nominees for the Sports Betting Hall of Fame There you go. on the uh, Buffet iTunes page. Put your nominees there. Who do you think should be in the Sports Betting Hall of Fame? Tell us in the iTunes page uh, for the Buffet podcast. Um, you could also just uh, you know, tweet it at us on social, at the Buffet pod. You can follow us there. You can follow me, at Chad Millman. You can send it to me there, too. I'd prefer it all go into the buffet itunes page but people have a hard time going to that we cannot get any freaking traction on that come on people (laughs) man that's a great idea i love that though sports betting hall of fame speaking of sports betting hall of fame scooch other than you and me and charles mcneil and bob martin and lefty rosenthal um i think that we do need to do a little bit of talking about what is happening historically you guys are going to get pounded you are going to lose so much money. I remember seeing you in December. We did a podcast in your office in front of a live audience uh, talking about the Golden Knights and what would happen if they made it to the Stanley Cup. Dude, you yeah, guys get This is it. Like, tell me about your liability. Tell me how scared you are. Give me every detail you can give me because there are details to be told. Yeah, well— I mean, we've been burned before in future, so we're really leery about putting up these these crazy, crazy odds. And, you know, I heard reports of they opened 500 to one. And really, I think that's only one or two operators that went to 500 to one very briefly. We never went to 500 to one. We we opened at 300 to one and we only wrote about maybe 10 to 15 tickets at, at 300 to one and then went down to hundred to one very quickly. Because if you remember the golden Knights came out their first five games, they won like four out of five games. And, and we said, you know, this team, okay, we know it's never happened before that they, uh, an expansion team made the playoffs, but let's just be a little careful here because we don't really know how good they are. And this expansion draft was a little different than other ones. So, uh, we dropped them fairly quickly. Most of our liability is at, is at about a hundred to one because we kept it there probably until November 
maybe maybe yeah beginning to mid-november is when we lowered them from like 100 down to 75 and then we quickly moved them so the liability uh, obviously is big it's big everywhere um but having said that i mean all of our bosses they're very well aware of the liability we've been keeping in close contact so they're they're okay with it as far as you know the big loss goes but it's means such a a great story to the city that it's hard to balance the two. I mean, we know that it, it's, it, it's a big hit to the bottom line for a lot of casinos, but this story itself is bigger than that. And I think for the community and for, for the way everybody's bonding around this, this team, uh, I, I think everybody's willing to just kind of take the loss and say, uh, you, you know, yeah, we lost money, but it, this we're, we're pulling for the, for the golden Knights. I mean, we're part of the community. They are the community. So it's, it's a little bit of a trade-off there. Now, that doesn't mean we can't do business the way we normally do in terms of getting off the decision. So we were able to hedge our position with the Golden Knights against the Sharks, against the Kings, uh, against Winnipeg. So we made money on each of those series because we drew money. You know, We took a lot of money on the other side knowing that if Vegas moved on that we'd, we'd get killed. And we're doing the same thing here. Uh, in, in the in the Stanley Cup Finals, you know, we we took um, uh, pretty pretty much a, a lot of money on Washington before the first game uh, to, to win the series. We opened up Vegas probably about 10, 15 cents higher than what they should be. So we're going to win a little bit on the series price if Washington wins. I mean, if, if Vegas wins, we'll win a little bit on the series price, but obviously we'll get killed in in the futures. So that's where we are. Wow. But, you know, here, here's the thing. That first game, game one, it was the same night as game seven of the Rockets-Warriors. We wrote way more, way more on the NHL game one of the Stanley Cup Finals than we did on game seven of the Western Conference Finals. I mean, that is unheard of. I mean, <laughs> if you would have said we write more on a hockey game, not even the final, not even the game seven, but just game one. And it outdid Game Seven of an NBA uh, conference final. Isn't that isn't that amazing? That's that's only because of Vegas, right? Like if it was yeah, the yeah. Blackhawks and the Caps, it's not going to be the same conversation. Exactly. That's I'm just saying the and you have to understand you our our properties here in Las Vegas are what are what are called locals properties, which means most of the people live nearby the casinos and they come to our our casinos after work to make bets and everything. It's a little bit different than the strip properties, which have a lot of the destination crowds, people that come in for the weekend. So maybe they're not going to be as big of a Vegas Golden Knights fans as a lot of our uh, customers. So we probably do a little bit more than some of the other casinos in terms of the ratio. We have a, we've got a lot of Vegas Golden Knights fans at our, our casinos. Matter of fact, they, you know, they park at our, our casino and take the shuttle down to the T-Mobile Center. So we get that big crowd of even the people that are going to the games. I love that. It's such a good story. It's so like heartwarming and wonderful for the city, especially like with everything that has happened there in the past year and what happened at Mandalay Bay with the shooting. Like this is the kind of thing that this city needed um, to rally around. It's pretty fantastic. And these, and these guys are great. I mean, if you meet these guys, these the, the players I'm talking about, what a great bunch of guys. After they won the uh, the, the the after they beat Winnipeg. Uh, they came home and I, they went straight from the airport 
and you've been to the Orleans, you've been to my office, right across the street, there's a, there's a bar called uh, McMullen's. And do, do you remember that bar? It's a, like an Irish pub across the street. I remember the wor- that bar, the, <laughs> the word got out that the whole team, after they went straight from the airport, and uh, the team bus, people saw the, the buses over in the parking lot. And uh, so it, it was hard to get in. You, you needed to know somebody at the door. But a lot of friends and people that work at the Orleans were able to kind of jump over there and meet with these guys and have a beer with these guys. And it was just they said, what what a great, great group of guys, because a couple of them or at least one player that used to play for the Las Vegas Wranglers, which was a team that played right at the Orleans arena. So he knows the property well, and he, he kind of knows that that area. So he still has a little fondness for it. That is so cool. Yeah. I love that. We still got to talk about the NBA finals. Okay. Yeah. First of all, <laughs> that game seven for the Rockets and the Warriors, 27 missed three-pointers. <laughs> yeah, that was insane. What what did you need in that game? Did you need the Rockets and the under? So, or did yeah. you need like? So it ended up sort of being fine for you because you had the under, but you lost the the spread. Yeah, we needed we needed the Rockets and that line. If you saw the line move, I mean, it was Chris Paul. It was he, he's questionable most of the day, and so we tried to be on the high side with the with the Warriors. We went as high as seven at one point. The line opened up four and a half in some places. We opened it up uh, five and a half. We went as high as seven on the game, and then we saw a lot of sharp money coming in, just burying us on the Rockets. And I knew that we would need the Rockets, so I was like, all right, just keep taking the money. Let's not move. Let's not get crazy with the point spread. But they just kept coming in, coming in on the Rockets, so I had to move the line down. And then we're thinking, okay, that maybe they know that Chris Paul's playing, so let's respect that because we didn't hear that he's playing. So we said, let's... Let's move the line down based on that. Maybe they know something we don't. So we did move the line down. And then when it came out that he's not playing, I just moved it right back up and said, I'm, I'm staying there. I'm staying high. And it was the same night, like I said, as the Golden Knights. So every single parlay had Warriors, Golden Knights, Warriors, Golden Knights. And we didn't have a good day in baseball that, that day either. So we had all the favorites in baseball going to the Golden Knights and the Warriors. So, yeah, we needed the Rockets. We needed them big. And the only thing that saved us a little bit was the game going under. Uh, but then what a swing in that game. And I remember, you know, a lot of the in-progress lines that we were doing, you know, the Warriors were down to 12, 13, 14 points at one point. And I said, don't give any more value on the Warriors. Uh, you know, you could have gotten the Warriors at plus four and a half at one point during the game when they were down like 10 points. And uh, I just know I've seen these swings before. I said, you've got a whole half of basketball to play. And, and this team can put up a 20 spot like, you know, in the blink of an eye. So, uh, yeah, it was the, the, the betting was good and uh, we were on the wrong end of it. But, uh, you know, <laughs> hopefully we get them back in the finals. All right, so what do you think is going to happen in the finals? You open the Warriors huge favorites in the finals. You yep. open the Warriors huge favorites in game one. Tell me where the action has been coming so far. Uh, so far, it's been uh, mostly mostly Warriors, but I, th- I think it's going to turn around. And I, every time you get to a finals or a Super Bowl or an NCAA championship game, there's been a tendency amongst the recreational betters to just take the underdog and they just figure the team is good enough to get to the championship or get to the finals. I'll take the points. So again, I'm not going to try and be too crazy 
like you said, historic numbers in a, in a NBA championship game, 12 and a half. That's a lot of points. <laughs> so uh, that's a crazy amount of points. It, it, it really is. And we've already seen all the, the public is jumping all over the Cavs to win the series because they could have gotten eight to one, seven to one. We're down to six to one now with the Cavs. You know, the, the series price is uh, uh, the Warriors are minus eight, 800, which means they're an eight to one favorite. And then you can get plus six to one on the Cavaliers. So uh, everyone's bet, all the, the recreational bettors are betting that. Uh, the sharp guys really haven't come in on that that yet, but uh, I, I think the value is all over the Cavs. You know, whether or not they actually win the game is another story, but 12 and a half points. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think we're going to get buried on, on Cavs money. You are. I don't think so. Look, no. the public is going to come all in on the Warriors. You might get wise guy money, but the public is coming in on the Warriors. They are not going to touch the Cavs. The Warriors are juggernauts. <laughs> they are going for three out of the past four years. I'm telling you right now, if I look at the Action app, uh, you know, we are part of the Action Network. And don't forget, stay tuned. Coming up in a few minutes, Blackjack Fletch live from Vegas, new ho- hosted the new pod live from the Strip. Matt Moore, our NBA analyst, he's going to come on. He's going to talk about this game as well. Right now, 52% of the bets are on Golden State to cover. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's a lot closer than... Uh... I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, no, 52%. Yep. To cover, not yeah, to cover the cover. to cover the spread. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, I, I guess that's about right. I'm looking at our ticket count. We're we're right about there. But I, I do think our guys are going to take a shot with the uh, uh, w- with the Cavaliers. But uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Maybe maybe the line's right where it should be, and maybe 50 percent of the bets is exactly what it should end up at. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. It's so hard to bet against the Warriors. I did it so many times during these playoffs uh, on the Rockets, and I'd be feeling so good in the first half and then just get my, like, I would, my lungs would deflate, as you say. Like, I would need them for my lungs in that third (laughs) quarter, and it would be so ugly. Yeah. I, and, and when a team just shoots as many three pointers as they as they do, you, you get those big swings because if they're if they're not falling, then then you get down really quickly. And but then if they if they are sinking them, then, you know, they they put up 20 points like in a couple of minutes. So uh, you do get those those big swings. I mean, I, this this NBA playoff season has been really interesting in terms of. You know, I look back at the the Cavs and the the, the Celtics series, and all the blowouts both ways. You know, you get, this team looks so much better than this team, and then they go back to Boston, and oh, now Boston looks so much better than the Cavs. And they go back to Cleveland, and it, it's just it, it's b- these big seesaw swings, and and e- even game by game, you're seeing these big swings. So it's really making it interesting, and uh, and I think going back to what you said earlier about now with with betting being more pervasive around the country and you're able to talk about the point spreads and it gives the games a little bit more perspective so when you see a a, a game like the warriors and the Cavs, talking about how big of a favorite adds a little adds a little drama to the to the series now because now you know how really big of an underdog the Cavs are and so i i think that adds a little bit more flavor to the matchup yeah it's exciting i mean certainly Look, 
As you know, as I know, we've long been advocates that you let people bet and there will be more engagement and excitement from fans who are watching these games and they will stick around longer. So certainly uh, the point spread is going to be a storyline during this game. Like, can they keep it close? Do they stay within the 12 and a half? Um, that's going to be a major, major narrative for anybody watching this game. And like anybody who's on their second screen, which is a lot of people sort of following this game on Twitter, uh, that's going to be a constant point of conversation. Yeah, absolutely. you know what Twitter is, right? You, you're, I've heard of Twitter. It. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of it. If I think I, if your dad. I, by the way, your my, dad's on Twitter. <laughs> he's got more followers. He, he <laughs> I'm telling you, he got like uh, the first day he signed up, he got like 200 followers or something like that, something crazy. <laughs> but then it took a while, a, a little bit, for people to realize it wasn't me. <laughs> was he? Was he like, Which, what is this? What is this the Twitter thing that I'm getting all these followers <laughs> from? It was funny. Yeah, it really was. But I might have to get one of those accounts if I actually, you know, become bookmaker of the world. time, <laughs> Scooch. Yeah. All right, Bob Scoochie. All right. Uh, good luck this week. Good luck with the Golden Knights. Good luck with the uh, LeBron James versus the Warriors. Um, good luck on your quest for world domination. I would like uh, acknowledgement on my plaque in the Sports Betting Hall of Fame that uh, I helped you get there. <laughs> Thanks. We'll see you in the hall. Here's the question. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Before we get to Matt Moore and everybody else um, and Blackjack, do I get in before you? I don't know. Come on now. Maybe we go in as a tandem. <laughs> we go in together. Yeah, right? Like uh, Mickey, Mickey Mantle and Whitey Ford. <laughs> I've already started getting. I've already already started getting responses on um, Twitter. People are already giving me like Billy Walters. Someone just submitted someone for uh, pioneering interest in WNBA gambling. So uh, people are responding. So go yeah. to the iTunes, go to the buffet page on iTunes, put in your suggestion, give me an explanation. The best suggestions will get to come on the pod and explain themselves. Um, you can also tweet me, but it's a lot easier to give me an explanation on the uh, iTunes page for the Buffet Podcast. Just go. Go and rate and subscribe and unsubscribe and resubscribe and review. Scooch, yep. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for coming. All right, Stay Chad. tuned, everybody, for Blackjack Fletcher and Matt Moore. All right, next up on the Buffet, legendary – they're already legendary guests. The legendary members of the Action Network team, a company that is five months old, but they're legends. That's right, I said it. Matt Moore is on the phone with me from his home in Colorado as he transitions into covering the NBA Finals for the Action Network. He is our NBA lead, NBA analyst. He is the host of the phenomenally thoughtful Spread the Floor podcast. It's amazing. Like It is the best thing to listen to uh, if you want to get smart about basketball. It is like a quick primer every day, a PhD, whether it's guests with Zach Lowe or just Matt talking about the lines and what's going to be happening. Matt's on the phone, as is Black Jack Fletcher. New podcast, Live from the Strip, debuted yesterday. Top 20 in the iTunes rankings. Way to go, Black Jack. He is in Vegas. He's betting on the NBA Finals, but he has been all over the Golden Knights Blackjack, we're going to start with you because you're in Vegas, and tell me about the atmosphere. Tell me what you're thinking about the Golden Knights, a team of which you've written. You've become a huge, huge fan. Yeah, Chad. Uh, best, it's, it's great to be here with you. Uh, nowhere I'd rather be at uh, this, this hour of the morning. 
Um, we have game two today. The atmosphere in the city is, is unlike anything I've ever been around. Um, I wrote in the article uh, about game one that it's it was one of the, the most unique experiences of my life, game one. Um, I watched game one in the watch party right outside the T-Mobile Arena. It was about 5,000 other people. And it was just pure jubilation. There was, I mean, strangers with their arms around each other. I mean, literally just everyone was was happy and excited. And, and everyone was experiencing the same range of emotions together. You know, because that game was up and down. It was back and forth. And, and every time the Capitals would score, we all like look at each other and kind of reassure each other it was going to be okay. And then the night before, everyone hugging each other, and it was it, it's it's something sad that honestly I'll, I'll never forget as long as I live. It, it was it was a, a very unique, incredible experience. How did you end up becoming a Golden Knights fan? This team has taken hold of your heart. Yeah, they absolutely have. Um, and the short answer is money. Um, they made me a lot of it. Uh, over the course of the season, I started betting them a lot. Uh, and I think I jumped on them earlier than a lot of people did uh, because you know you were getting good value on them early in the season. There was a lot of good value on this team. And uh, I've bet them now 49 times this season, Chad, and they're 39 and 10. It's the bets I've made up. So they've, they've made me a lot of money. And then I started watching them. Um, you know, staying up late on the East Coast and watching the Golden Knights. And they're a really exciting team to watch. I mean, it's not boring hockey. It's very uh, fast-paced, up and down. And then, you know, obviously the whole story with with the tragedy out here in October a few days before their first game uh, and the way that they kind of have helped this city heal a little bit, it's, uh, it's become, you know, one of those stories that uh, one day Disney's going to make a movie about. All right, Matt Moore, let me transition to you for a second in a very uh, eloquent, seamless way. There is history being made in the NBA Finals, much as there is history being made with what, with what is happening in the Stanley Cup and the Las Vegas Golden Knights. See how I did that? Right now, the Warriors are 12 and a half point favorites in game one. They are historically high favorites for the series. You wrote in one of your stories, uh, actually in the newsletter, you can go sign up for the newsletter at actionnetwork.com. It's great. And you did an exclusive for the newsletter, basically saying uh, there were a few things in there that were interesting. Uh, Number one, you've got the the Warriors winning in five. I can't believe you're giving them a game. Um, Number two, you had a note in there that there are rumblings in the locker room that the players are starting to block Steve Kerr out. Explain that to me. I think it's it's more that uh, if you look at how the season has gone for the Warriors, like the number one thing has been um, that they just don't show up sometimes. And the thought was like, well, they show up with the regular season, but it's their fourth finals run, and it's hard to do that. And like so, he did like the they coach themselves thing, and that was cute. 
And, you know, they, they, they sloughed off a game versus the Spurs, like whatever, the Spurs were never going to beat them. And they sloughed off a game versus the Pelicans. And that was a game that like really irked Steve Kerr, where he was like, I can't believe you played this badly in the second round. And he just did not care. Um, and then it happened in the Western Conference Finals. It happened in game two. Uh, and then it happened again in game four. And it happened again in game five. Like, the fact, that, the big key, I think, is that in game seven of the Western Conference Finals, they played one of their worst halves of basketball all season. And the people that are around the team, uh, the writers that are around the team, the general sense is like, why on earth at this point are they still having trouble getting it together and giving effort? Like, there's a big gap between that and like them tuning Steve Kerr out. And it's more that like Steve Kerr can't get through to them to where they're giving maximum effort despite how high the stakes are. Uh, and that, I think, is something that when I look at what the lines are going to be throughout this series with how much Golden State should be favored over this crappy Cavs team, that gives me a lot of a pause because you just don't know when Golden State's going to no-show because there's this line where, for years, they've been so confident because they've been the best team in the league, and they knew it, and so they were confident. But now it's slipped into where... They're confident, but they also are just like, well, we're going to win. Like, we know we're going to win. Like, no matter what we do, like, we know we're going to win. And that, I think, gets very dangerous, not only from uh, you might be playing with fire, but especially when you're a double-digit favorite and we're talking about the spread. Like, that really concerns me because Golden State's mental focus is so far away from what it has been. They were, in 2015, they were trying to win their first title. In 2016, they were working to be one of the best teams of all time. In 2017, it was the revenge tour for the 3-1 collapse and validating KD's decision. There's no stakes for them this year. Like They know they're going to win. They know they're going to win, and that creates this high level of complacency. There's a weird vibe around that team right now. I still think they're going to win. I picked them in five, but there's a really weird vibe around the Warriors. That series... It did not feel like the same dominant Golden State team that I've covered in the playoffs year after year the last four years. That right there is why the Spread the Floor podcast is the best basketball podcast there is. In like three minutes, you just gave such a thoughtful uh, explanation of what is going on in that locker room. So my question is, what does Steve Kerr say, or does it even matter? Like, when I think about coaches getting tuned out, it starts to mean to me that they don't like the coach anymore. It's impossible not to like Steve Kerr. It's impossible not to think that he knows what he's doing. And this group is something, it seems like a group that doesn't have people on the team that are sort of the prima donna types who are just going to disrespect what Steve Kerr is trying to put in front of them. I think a lot of it with with it is uh, the the hunger kind of has to be internal for this team, and I think a lot of it's also Draymond. So Draymond Green is, is the emotional heart and soul of that team. Like he is the core, and he is missing any sort of hunger right now because they're so dominant. He's fed off of disrespect his whole career. Nobody's disrespecting them. You can't possibly make an argument that the Warriors are disrespected. Everyone expected them to beat the Rockets. They were surprised when they struggled. And everyone expects them to beat the pants off the Cavs. And so if Draymond's not going 100 miles an hour, and there were times, especially that first half of Game 7, he looked awful. Uh, and he has been barking at dudes. Like, he is, 
He has been fed up with how the team plays. Draymond is the one guy on the Warriors that genuinely cares how the team plays. Like, he cares about whether or not they go. Like, after the Game 5 loss, he talked about, he, he said the word game plan discipline about five times in a five-minute presser. Just constantly like, well, we got we have to have game plan discipline. If you don't have game plan discipline, you're gonna lose. And you can tell it irks him. And for years, it's been like it would he would get mad, and so he would light a fire into him, and they would respond. And now he just seems like tired of it. He's just like, I don't know how many times I gotta say this. How many times do we have to go through this? Um, he was barking at KD all throughout that series. Like, there's all this stuff going on. So with Kerr, I think there's only so much that he can do. Because, one, they're, I mean, they're just exhausted from four finals runs. They don't have any of this hunger. And I don't know how it is that they're going to be actually be able to get the kind of motivation that they need in order to play to their potential. Now, what's crazy is they could still cover at, like, 50% effort. That's how bad the Cavs are and how good the Warriors are. That's the gap here. Um, but that, to me, I think is the concern is that gold is how seriously is Golden State going to take Cleveland when they know that their margin of error is so much higher in this series than it was in the last. I love the fact that this team can play at 50%, and Draymond Green is the most passionate player on that team, by the way. It's so interesting to me. And you still think they can cover at 50%? Yeah, it's just the problem I love is that I'm writing about this right now for the angles my column, which is going to go up on action this afternoon, is uh, – the Cavs on the road are, are just horrible. Like they're just they are a minus five point six in net in in uh, point differential on the road in these playoffs. They didn't win a single game in Boston until Game Seven. Like they have been absolutely atrocious on the road in the playoffs. And you're going into Oracle, where Golden State is such a massive, just dominant team. But not only that, but they are specifically stellar in those third quarters. Like, there's a formula here if you want to actually like break it down, which is they come out and they hit what I've been starting to refer to as the third quarter haymaker of doom. Like their net rating in these playoffs at home in that third quarter is astronomical. It's plus. It's oh, I don't have it out in front of me, but it's like plus 15 more than that. It, it's they just beat the pants off of teams in these third quarters. Curry like comes out and lights a fire. And then what happens is teams are so far back, they can't catch up. And then at the seven-minute mark, everyone just pulls a plug and is like, all right, let's get ready for the next game. And at that point, the Warriors bench will always try and run it up. They will always try and run it up. And the Cavs, like, garbage depth is really bad. So I would expect the Warriors to go ahead and run it up there. So these end-of-game margins, I think, could be way higher, even if the game was close at halftime. Like, the, the second-half spreads, I think, are going to be huge to key in on in these games in Oracle. All right, Blackjack. Sorry, I'm not uh, Blackjack. I am not ignoring you on purpose. I think there's some some phone issues, so I'm uh, I'm limiting your airtime, which is almost impossible because you are a force of nature, and people should go listen to live from the strip if they want to get you in your full glory. But you're in Vegas. You're going to be there for Game Two of the Stanley Cup Finals, and you're going to be there for Game One of uh, the NBA Finals. When you listen to Matt. What does it do to what you're thinking about what you might want to bet for the finals and for game one? Yeah, it, uh, listening to Matt right there just reaffirms what I was already thinking for game one, which is I think you take the Warriors, you lay the 12, 12 and a half. But I also really like the Cavaliers first half plus seven. Um, Matt's exactly right. The, the Warriors have tended to start and be a little bit lackadaisical. And I think that if you're going to give me seven points uh, in the first half of this game. 
I'm probably going to take it and roll with that and then trust Golden State to do what he said, which is what they do in every one of these games, which is come out in the third quarter and just shoot the lights out. I like that idea, a first-half bet, because I am not comfortable laying 12-and-a-half, but I'm also not comfortable putting putting money on Cleveland to cover a 12-and-a-half. But I like plus seven. That's a really good idea. All right, so Matt Moore, you have come in that you think the series is going to go five. Why do you even think that it's going to go five? Just because the Warriors are going to throw one of those games away? Yes. It is incredible. Like every single member of Golden State Media knew that they were going to lose Game Two. Like they all knew they were going to lose Game Two because when the Warriors came out and won Game One of the Western Conference Finals, uh, and they won it by quite a, a high margin, they all said like, "Oh, they, they think they just won the series. Like this team is going to think like we got this. That's it. It's done." And they're not going to try. It was amazing how consistent those responses were because I was on the other side of it at that point. I was like. Well, you know, I think Golden State's probably going to sweep them. Like, they won game one. They broke their back. They just go out and and they win a close one in game two. Like, this series is done. And then Houston blasts them off the face of the planet because Golden State looked absolutely atrocious. Like, their ability to follow up consecutive really great games is very poor. The other thing is, if you look at last year, and they won those first three, and then that game four, it's just – it's. There, there is this real, uh, real tendency for Golden State to go for what we call the gentleman's sweep. Like, you give them one to be polite. And I'm not saying they're going to give LeBron one because you don't want to start, get, like, letting LeBron back into a series. But I do think it's going to be very hard for them to go full bore and have everything going. Um, the other thing is, is injuries are, quietly with this Warriors team, a real concern. The Andre Iguodala thing is, is weighing over them, and, and there's hope that he, they can get him back for game one. But that bone bruise is really painful, and he's probably going to be limited even if he plays. The other thing that's going on the radar, Draymond Green's got a shoulder injury. And that's one of the reasons he is three for his last 17 from three-point range. Um, that really messes with what they're able to do offensively. Uh, they don't have a lot of depth. They just don't. They don't have a lot of guys with good depth. Like Patrick McCaw played his first game after five months in game six and was a or game five and was a disaster missing that that crucial shot like they don't have a lot of depth here so i think that there's a good chance um that cleveland's able to get a game behind the greatness of lebron james but i think it's gonna be very much like it was last year where clearly the warriors just weren't fully engaged lebron does absolutely everything and it's still a close game at the end blackjack you got a take on how long the series is going to go I, I think he's right. I think it's five. I, I think that Cleveland probably takes game two in this series as well. Uh, and we have this conversation that's going to be utterly pointless about can they make this a series? Uh, and the answer will be no. Golden State will, will run them out of the trip most games. All righty. Blackjack Fletcher, live from the strip podcast, rocketing up the iTunes podcast charts. Matt Moore. Lead NBA analyst for Action Network, the Spread the Floor podcast, unbelievably smart stuff. Everybody should go download. Everybody should listen. Everybody should only spend all their time either reading Action Network content or listening to Action Network podcast. Fellas, enjoy the finals and the Stanley Cup. Enjoy the NBA finals. Matt, you'll be on the road. Blackjack, God only knows where you're going to be, brother. But thanks for coming on the podcast. <laughs>